Welcome to Leadership in 10, a podcast meant to encourage, inspire, and give insight into what it looks like to lead well during the current pandemic. It's also meant to be a space where we can engage in authentic dialogue about the challenges we're facing right now. I'm Jennifer Cho, and this is part two of my conversation with Eric Krauthammel, Vice President of Engineering and Continuous Improvement for Knoll. People talk a lot about how you're a great listener and you're very empathetic and you're always for people. Is some of it come naturally to you or is that really something that you decided I have to be deliberate about? It's definitely a little bit of both. I would say that professionally and personally, and I've just kind of maybe discovered this recently in the last maybe four or five years, but kind of connecting the dots as you you learn from experiences. (laughs) And I'm highly motivated by a desire to not let others around me down. So okay. that's could be family at home, the bosses at work, my peers, anybody that works right. within an organization that I lead. I have to be conscious because you know that tendency to not want to let others down has to be carefully balanced. Sure. Because you can sort of dangerously move into a people pleaser realm. Oh yeah. <laughs> which yeah. shouldn't be confused. I mean there's a big difference between burning lots of energy trying to make everyone happy versus working hard not to let folks down, if, if that right. makes sense. Yeah. So no, I think completely. that's sort of the part, you know, you asked, does it come naturally or is it, you know, learned or, or taught? I think that's sort of maybe the natural side of it. But I, I will say having having a mentor early on in my career that pushed me probably beyond early on comfort levels can't be understated. So, you know, mm. as a manufacturing engineer, quality engineer, problem solving, you know, I was perfectly happy. Things were going well. And and having right. someone push me to say, no, you really need to become a supervisor. I'm thinking to myself, supervisor, why, why would I want to do, do that right now? Right, but, right. But that's, and now it's it's funny. Like I, and, and, you know, some people probably, hopefully listening to this podcast will, will know that I've had the same conversations with them as someone who wants to take the next step and continue to lead. And, you know, getting that role early on in my career, I learned more in those 18 months to two years than I probably did in the other five or 10 combined just just having to be in the fray, you know, as a supervisor, you can, you can still decide how you want to chart the course for your team and you can develop your team and you can, you have to, you're forced to get results and, and you're, um, you know, you're, you're you're doing, you can do so much in that role and and just having someone to sort of push you into those maybe uncomfortable places early on, but then it became more comfortable and became more right-hand dribble. And and then, um, and then those things uh, sort of all start coming together. So certainly never turning down an opportunity to, to learn and grow, whether it's as simple as taking a day or two out to go through a leadership training class or mm-hmm. taking on a project or, or taking on a position that there is that opportunity to to test some of those skills is very important. Next, I thought we would play a little word association. As I talked to people about you, different phrases came up. So I'm just going to say a phrase and then you tell me what that means to you. Sure. Try storming. Uh, try storming. This is- <laughs> I one of, one of my favorites. So every everybody knows what brainstorming is, right? Everybody references right. it. It's a concept. Sure. It's just taking that concept and moving it to action, right? So if you're implementing a solution, you're you're almost never, you know, you're problem solving and you need to do make a change. You're you're likely never going to get it perfectly right the first time anyway. So instead of spending all this time and energy brainstorming ideas and being in a conference room and whiteboarding things, <laughs> Right. And trying to narrow down to one thing, I'd rather see you move out of the conference room, get away from the whiteboard, 
and get as creative as you can to try to implement as many, trying to try multiple solutions, see what works, what doesn't, and then find the one that you should permanently implement. So getting a fast, you, you still have to brainstorm, but get through that phase a little bit faster and moving on to the tri-storming phase, I think it'd be more effective in your problem-solving efforts than if you're trying to get that solution perfect the first time. The next one is fail fast. Right. So it, yes, it does go hand in hand with try storming. Um, yeah. Again, I'd rather try, fail fast, learn from it, and then get it right. <laughs> right. Um, if you don't fail, you probably aren't try storming enough. And it's okay to fail. I mean, as long as, again, you fail fast, you learn from the mistake, and you don't repeat it, you should come out stronger on the other end. So that's where the fail fast and try storming kind of go do, do go hand in hand. Okay. Because I think that's interesting because I think sometimes leaders struggle with the fail part. It's almost like it's a bad word. You're not allowed to fail or I shouldn't ever fail. But I think it's interesting as a leader to create an environment that says, no, it's okay to fail. Just try a bunch of things, fail, learn quickly, move on. Right. So and, if, and if you're decisive and as long as it's the worst thing you can do is drag out the failure, <laughs> right? So okay. if, if it's not, if this isn't working, then what do I learn from it? And then what can I take to the next thing that I try, right? And and just know when to cut bait, move on and try the next try the next thing. Now, if you're trying storming forever, then there's a different problem there. Maybe you're not learning from it or, um, right. but, but that's kind of where the concept comes in. Is, and it's, again, it's to, it's to push people in the, well, I don't know. It's, it's when we're getting into those modes of, well, I don't know if this is going to work and here's why. Well, just try it and then make, just just make sure you fail fast <laughs> and then we'll <laughs> and yeah. then move on to the next, to the next idea. Okay. Next one. Inspect what you expect. This one is really not saying one thing, but have your, you know, as, as a leader, you're always being observed. <laughs> so right. you don't want to say one thing, but then your actions observed by others don't support. And then therefore the words sure. you just said are forgotten. Right. So whatever expectations you set, you need to make sure you're inspecting them. And what is that? You know, that could be through conversation, through follow-up. It's not like inspecting a part for quality. I mean, the same concept could be applied. It actually is kind of derived from that idea that, you know, if, if the tolerance is, you know, X to Y, then you better check and make sure that you're, that that's what it is. But in this case, it's more about if you're standing in front of a group talking about how important a certain subject is, but then could be safety or quality or probably simpler examples. But then all you do is follow up with your team about delivery and service levels, then you're not inspecting what you're saying you're expecting. So, you know, having those conversations and following through and, and will then tie to, you know, your actions and your words will, will link together. Okay, can you tell me about the panels incident, Eric? There was talk that you were working a machine on the floor. Just tell us about that and what led to that. So I I would first categorize the situation you're referring to in panels as a full-blown crisis. Okay, (laughs) not an incident. We were were not, you know, usually our past due when there's issues that null is measured in hours or maybe shifts or maybe days. And we were... We were in the weeks and weeks of pass-through bucket. So, you know, we we had a team of engineers, supervisors, CI folks working about as hard as I've ever seen the team work at Knoll. And we're at a point where our to-do list was almost unmanageable. And it it didn't make sense to sit in a conductor's chair when half your orchestra is maybe missing or (laughs) you don't have all the (laughs) instruments to play. So it's, there was a time where you just had to, 
jump in, right? So the case, the case you're probably referring to, we had a, we were trying to bring some new equipment online. And while yes, I was at times running the equipment, it was really with the intent of doing the job that I would expect an engineer to do, right? Which was, I got to run the equipment. I got to learn by doing so we can set up the standard work. We can set up the, the startup checklist, the troubleshooting guides, sure. um, and and ultimately train the team and sort of hand things off. So, you know, how did I know when to do that? I think it was just yeah. sort of situational awareness to see what was going on and have a pulse for the team and how they were doing and feeling and adapting. And in that case, that to me meant there's no point in having stand-up meetings to go over all these to-do lists when, which we still did, by the way, but then I could jump <laughs> in, jump in and take, take a portion of that action plan and just do, do it myself. So that's where that, right. that came into play. Right. And I know you were telling me by doing that, you were learning the machine. So you knew how to help everybody else. So I think what's hard is for people in those situations, and I've heard this at Noble before, and I think it's a fine line. Some people, I think, dive in and do others' work. In doing so, they don't let them grow and develop and have experiences themselves and do their own work at kind of a higher level. But there's a fine line between I'm doing my role and then I know when, like you said, situational awareness, I know when to dive in. Yeah, it's uh, it's maybe another one of my phrases, but I, I also say that you need to embrace the altitude sickness of flying at 10,000 feet <laughs> one minute and then getting way down at ground level and in the weeds the next because... That's the, in my, in my opinion, that's the right way to be most effective. And then just knowing when to fly at what level is, is maybe the trickier part. But if you're only staying at 10,000 feet or you're only in the weeds, then there's, there's going to be gaps in, in uh, what needs to get done and how your team needs to be led. Yeah, I think it's having that ability to know which level to fly at and when. Lastly, Eric, if you were to tell our leaders to focus on one behavior that you believe would have the biggest impact on our associates right now, what would you say? I think right right now is the key phrase in that statement. Yeah. You know, be, with everything going on in the world, it's ever changing, it's uncertain. And in periods of uncertainty, you, you know, you don't want anyone drawing conclusions from maybe partial or incomplete information. So I think just be available, be approachable, be transparent, as transparent as you can. You know, the news isn't always Good news, but I, I find if you operate with transparency, be available to listen. And if there's ever a time to build a little little extra trust with your team, the the, the time is probably right now. So that's that's what I would uh, how I would sort of sum that up. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Well, Eric, I cannot thank you enough. This has been wonderful. If anybody has any thoughts or questions, comments about the podcast, anybody you'd like to see on again, please contact me at learningdevelopment at noel.com. But on that note, I will let you go and we will see you next time. All right. Thank you, Jennifer. Thanks, Eric.